Welcome to the Breast of Everything podcast, your trusted resource for breast health information, support, and encouragement. Your host today is Dr. Ashley Richardson of Comprehensive Breast Care. Welcome. Welcome to the Breast of Everything podcast. I am your host, Dr. Ashley Richardson of Comprehensive Breast Care. And tonight, I am super excited to have our guest, Abanda Moran, who is a group fitness director for Ascension Genesis Health Club. She is going to join us on our podcast today to discuss exercise and healthy diet habits for breast cancer patients and survivors. She has more than 30 years of experience in executive sports and fitness administration in the field of education, health, and wellness. She also has a Master of of Arts degree in teaching with an emphasis in physical education and health promotion, as well as a Master's Specialist degree in education leadership and administration. She has a passion for fitness, health, and wellness education, and has also traveled all around the world sharing her vision of health and healthy lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am uh, very appreciative of the fact that you've asked me to be on here tonight. Well, let's just get right into our topic here. I know one of the big things we want to talk about is exercise, and obviously our focus is breast cancer patients, and we often talk about ladies before treatment, after treatment, and kind of throughout their survivorship about what they should be doing to live a healthy lifestyle. When it comes to just basic exercise, what do you talk to ladies about? Um, Basically, when we first speak with women about any type of exercise program, whether it be concerning cancer treatment um, or just day-to-day living, we try and find out where they are in their exercise program, if they're brand new to it, if uh, if they're avid about it. And then we try and look at what their lifestyle is, their diet. It's an all-encompassing kind of subject. And we look to see what they they are interested in. Um, I I want people to um, experience exercise in a fun way and not feel like it's a job when they come into the gym or when they exercise anywhere. So what we do is look at what they want to do, what makes them happy, what makes them um, excited, and we basically go from there. I think that's such a critical point that you bring up about what makes them happy and what are their interests. You know, sometimes when you bring up fitness and um, exercise, they immediately go right into CrossFit or heavy lifting and things of that nature. But it's really important to know that there's a broad spectrum of exercises that they could be doing and also having friends or family members come with them that can make it fun and enjoyable. Exactly. And that is a very important part of it right there. Um, as far as people, you're right, people do look at exercises, oh gosh, I have to go work out instead of I want to go work out because it's going to be a positive thing in my life. And I want to find something that's fun to do. Uh, for example, here at, at our facility, um, a lot of women love Zumba or love work, which is a hip hop dance. You wouldn't find me in there because it's it's difficult <laughs> for me, but I love doing a spin class. So I do spin because it makes me happy. I feel good. I want to come to the gym looking forward to exercising. And we also tell, tell, talk with people about the fact that you don't have to spend hours in here. Find something that makes you happy. You know, do it for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and, and you're done. It's one of those kind of areas in your life that should not overshadow everything else. Well, and I think the hardest part is just getting it started, right? So we all know that the hardest part is just putting on those workout clothes and forcing yourself to get on the Peloton or to go to the gym. But then once once you're doing it and after you're done, you're like, wow, I could keep going or you're like invigorated from working out. And I think that's the hardest part is just making yourself roll out of bed or put on those snow boots to go to the gym. <laughs> that's definitely true, especially for me being a Southerner. But uh, Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, especially for all us folks in Michigan that are bo- buried under snow right now. Right. 
but the the key point is once you get going, it's easy to keep going because you feel motivated. You see the changes. You see how your body responds to working out. And especially with our breast cancer patients that are dealing with so much emotionally and physically, right. it really gives them something to look forward to and to see their that they're in control of their body when oftentimes they are not throughout the treatment. Right. And this is, this is most definitely the most important part as far as for me in their treatment because, one, they've gone through so much mentally and physically, and to find something that's going to help them recover um, and lead even more of a healthy lifestyle afterwards. And it's also going to help with their recovery. It's going to help with all of the issues that come along with getting going through breast cancer, which is the mental aspect, you know, the, the anxiety, the depression, the body image, you know, things depending upon what kind of treatment that they, they go through. It's so vitally important that they have an outlet that's going to help them uh, one, still maintain a lot of social contact, which is important, and also going to help their body healed and help their mind healed as well. And when patients come to you as a fitness instructor, how do you tease out that they may be a breast cancer survivor or going through treatment? Or is there a way for um, them to learn about you to know to come to you for those resources? Uh, basically, because we are such a health-oriented facility, because we are linked to the hospital, um, most of the people that come to me and I find out their history is when they actually come to class or they come into the gym and they walk in and they want information about classes and they want information about the gym. And I immediately ask them, what was your purpose for coming here? Why are you here? What, what do you want out of your experience here? And, and that's when a lot of it comes out that, you know, I've gone through this health issue or my family's gone through this health issue. I am at high risk for this. So what can I do to lower my risk or, or help me become healthier so that if this does happen to me that I can survive it? And that's where the conversation starts. So basically, when we start talking about if it's for them personally, what are they going through? What stage are they at? Did they just have a diagnosis? Have they had treatment? Are they surviving? You know, what level are they at? And then we look at what we can do along with the doctor's guidelines as well. You know, what they've had to go through. You know, if they're in, for example, the first diagnosis, okay, what what is your treatment going to be? Can you continue to exercise with the treatment? And, and along with exercise comes the diet aspect as well, the nutrition, um, you know, maintaining a healthy diet that's going to allow their body to heal and also maintaining a healthy weight and, and getting that that those factors together. And once you get those factors together, you can kind of put steps in place and, and show them maybe a direction they can go into. Well, and obviously you're a super valuable resource when it comes to the fitness and diet and education, but you also bring some personal aspects to the table for ladies with breast cancer. Do you mind touching on your family experience and how you've been affected by breast cancer? Sure. Um, I am come from a large family. It's a family of six girls. And my mother was diagnosed in 2010 with breast cancer. Um, it's a very slow, it was not an aggressive breast cancer, so we were able to catch it quickly. Um, and she had a, um, a radical mastectomy and she had lymph nodes removed uh, in her left shoulder and our left armpit, I should say. And so we went through the treatment, she went through chemo, she went through radiation, and uh, basically was considered a survivor. And I had no issue with breast cancer for about, I would say, six, seven years. All at once, um, she started having some pain and some issues and went back and it had returned. Um, she was an advanced age, not advanced age. My mom is always, we're very active 
all my, all my sisters were all athletes our whole lives, very healthy lifestyles. My mom is always active. Um, and then uh, she was around 60, no, I'm sorry, 70. 70. I was going to say, if you're calling 60 year olds advanced age, no, no, uh, no, we're, no. <laughs> we're going we're um, to, we're going to lose some listeners here. I think. No, no, I, uh, well, she passed when she was 80. Um, so she was around 77 when the breast cancer returned and then it metastasized into pancreatic. And so because of the combination, she was, um, she was a bit overweight, mainly because she had rheumatoid arthritis. She had a lot of health risk issues. Um, even though she was as active, my mom, you couldn't stop her from doing anything. But of course, she had a lot of these other factors that did not help. And so once uh, the pancreatic cancer showed up, it was it was not too long after that that she passed. Once that happened, all of my sisters, we all, you know, started, you know, going to get tested and found out that I actually have um, out of my five sisters, out of five of my sisters, uh, including myself, four of us have had hysterectomies due to fibroid tumors or the cancer risk. Um, and then uh, three of them were by, diagnosed with breast cancer and, and um, two had double mastectomy. So, and then one of my sister's daughter has gone and had the BRCA test and found out she has the BRCA2 gene. So we're looking at that. So basically this was not even on our radar at all growing up and even into our early 20s and 30s until my mom reached the age where she developed breast cancer. And then all at once, you know, it's, it's now a major focus in our family as far as health risk and, and trying to watch it and, and make sure that we all do what we need to do as far as our diet and our exercise and getting our daily, you know, screenings and testing. So, and because of the harass, the hysterectomies, the actual, you know, hormone therapy risk that also goes along with breast cancer. So we're, we're kind of, we've got a whole big picture that we look at now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have that kind of family history and background and just personal experience of what your mom has gone through and your sisters and your family members, it really kind of brings it all home. So when you meet these other ladies at the gym and are able to help them throughout their health journey as well throughout treatment, I'm sure it's super impactful for you. It is. And I'm able to, before this would have happened, I don't know if the empathetic side of me would have been as deeply involved uh, with it, but simply because I've always been this health crazy person. Um, but it definitely makes me step back and really try and see what the person is going through, both in their personal life and their family life and, and in their, their own experience and, and just kind of relate to it and, and have them know. Cause a lot of people talk with me, they, they have a lot of fear. They, they, they don't know. It's the unknown. And um, when I try and tell them my story and my family and what we do, I think it kind of relaxes them a little bit to think that, OK, life is changing, but we still have some control over our lives. And I think in my instance, we felt a little out of control. You know, this this disease came in, took a little bit of control over our future away from us until we realized, well, no, it doesn't have to. And that's probably the biggest thing I share with people is that you still have control of your life. You still have a lot of things in your life that you can change and um, still um, defeat this or get through this. 
You know, you bring up something that I mention all the time in the office, and that is the fear of the unknown and also what can you be in control of. And you are absolutely correct when patients, you know, when they get a new diagnosis, they don't have any control over that. And they don't know how the treatment plan is going to go and how they're going to feel throughout that. And so they just have this sense of no control. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I talk to them, what can you can control? You can control your, your diet. You can control your exercise pattern. You can control your, for the most part, how you wake up each day and how you're going to see that day. Mm -hmm. And so I try and change their mindset and think about not what they can't control, but actually what they can control. So when you bring that up with diet and exercise, what tips do you give ladies about um, diet? Kind of talk me through how you would go through that with them. Well, basically with diet, um, I, I, what I really do is I ask him, what are, what are your eating habits? What do you like? What do you not like? Let me show you a, a good regimen to, to maybe include in your diet. I'm not going to tell people what to eat, but I give them guidelines from what is healthy. And it's basically, you know, foods that are high, vitamins, minerals, um, not high in calories. You want to stay in that dense kind of nutritional value, uh, beans, legumes, peas, nuts, whole grains, because, you, you know, people want the bread. But... Um, I basically try and tell them just to take out the fat, the bad fat, stay away from red meat. And and when I speak with you about what I tell them, I'm, I'm really putting it in very simple terms because one, I, I do um, value nutrition and, and the, the information that comes with it. I'm not a registered dietitian, so I am not going to pretend that I'm going to tell anybody what they should or should not eat. What I do know is there are certain guidelines with every health profession, both myself being a, a figure competitor and a coach out through, throughout life, and also working in the health and fitness industry, you do um, look at what are probably great guidelines that can encompass a lot of people. So I do know I myself, since this whole issue with my sisters and my mom, have looked at more of a plant-based diet. Um, I, it was a very big switch for me because I used to eat whatever I wanted. I go exercise. It's great. As I've gotten older and I'm 58, um, I have realized the benefit of a plant-based diet. It's not for everybody, but I do try and show that when you look at the, co- the components of the plant-based diet, it's, a, it's very healthy. It's, it's extremely healthy, but not to the point where it's restrictive. So you don't feel like you're on a diet. I tell people, don't be on a diet. Diets don't work. What you need to do is you have you need to have a healthy lifestyle of nutrition. You know, you need to base your nutrition about what around what you need for your life. Um, I know this is going to sound funny, but I don't live to eat. I eat to live. And that's been my motto. And I'm the only one that can control what goes in my mouth. And so when I talk with people, I basically put the accountability on them. I can give them all of the advice in the world and I can show them all the studies. But when it really comes to, um, I try and keep it real with people. And I, and I tell them straight up, this is a good guideline for you. Look at what you're eating now. Look at what a good guideline is. Maybe look at some things you can take out of that, that nutrition plan that you're currently on. That's going to one, help you have better sleeping habits, um, better eating habits, you know, your mental health is going to be a lot better, your physical health is going to be a lot better. And then I just basically say, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want out of this? And when they answer their own questions, it basically helps them to stay on the path easier, because they're not doing what I told them to do. 
they're doing what they know is best for them. Yeah, trying to make them take control of their own life exactly. and feel you know, very powerful in what their decisions are. Mm-hmm. I also counsel patients frequently that diets are not the way to go. You know, they'll say to me, especially after chemotherapy, if they've gained a couple pounds, well, now I want to go on a diet. And again, I just try and reinstill in them, you know, start just making subtle changes each day, whether it be walking more or doing some strength training, mm-hmm. um, watching what they're eating, things like that. It can start small. And then once you gain momentum, definitely build up. Um, but you are very, we met with a dietitian actually and a nutritionist as well on our podcast. And she said the same thing about a plant-based diet and really just uh, watching what's going in and what's going out. You know, it's, right. it's very easy to say and obviously not so easy to do. But right. um, do you talk to patients a lot about strength training or things of that nature when it comes to breast cancer or post-surgical patients? I do because to me, obviously, um, I, I really, I'm a huge proponent of exercise movement. I mean, if you don't move, you lose it. And so people that have gone through this, um, they tend to be scared to get started back into their life. They've had surgery or they've had chemo and they're weak and they're tired and maybe a little nausea sometimes kicks in. And I just tell them, we just start slow. And exercise strength training is vitally important, especially for women with osteoporosis and you know all kinds of health issues that can come about. Not having that muscular strength, muscular endurance, I mean, you, you need it in life. And especially to help you recover, being a survivor means that you've got to rebuild your body back. And one of the things that I have found and I've, and I've tried to show women is that no matter what age you are, you can start a strength training program and it's beneficial for you. Uh, that is one of the big things I definitely talk about. I think it's very important that women um, get introduced to strength training because a lot of them are just scared of it. They look out there in the gym and they see these weights like, what do I do with that? And I, I tell them, let's just let me show you some things that maybe with a resistance band or, you know, a, a small dumbbell or maybe just, you know, your body weight. I really start most of the people that I speak with in regards to breast cancer or any type of survival from an injury is body weight because um, basically you need to be able to lift your own body weight and it's very um, it's easy for them to do a push-up with no no equipment and I can give them modifications and then and they can see the improvement so um, if I talk to me a lot of women about strength training and that they've never had a background with it I usually work with them on um, body weight exercises to begin with because they can do those at home and really anywhere. You don't need equipment to do things like that. Well, yes, I try lifting my own body weight with a push, <laughs> with a push up and it's not always very pretty, but, but it's true that, you know, once you gain it, 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 you lose it so quickly, you know, during COVID, it was easy for a lot of us that were kind of maintaining a yeah. workout regimen and our, our um, routine got really disrupted that I went from being able to lift up children to struggling going, wow, geez, this like happened really fast. But the, and the other thing to keep in mind, like you said, is a lot of ladies are afraid of the machines. They're afraid of people watching them. And you kind of have to just get over that and realize that you're there for a purpose. You're there to take, um, your health into your own hands. And who cares if people are watching and who cares if it's five pounds or six pounds, like the only person that you're in competition with is yourself, you know? And I mean, I think I'm talking to myself right now because, (laughs) because oftentimes I have to say, you know, come on, Ashley, you can do it. Just, you know, two more reps or five more pounds or things of that nature. But 
again, once you see the changes and you see the benefits, it's so empowering to think, wow, I couldn't do that two weeks ago, or I couldn't do that a month ago, you know? Um, And so I think everything you have to say is just so important. And uh, also on that note, what's your thoughts on alcohol? <laughs> well, um, in one regard, uh, one comment I wanted to make concerning the exercise real quick is my mom, when she had the lymph nodes removed from her um, underarm after her surgery, and she actually would do a little bit, but again, she was kind of heavy. So she didn't do a lot of her physical therapy like she should have. And she, she actually got a frozen shoulder. And so could not move her arm and ended up having to, not that this is going to happen to everybody, ended up having to have a shoulder replacement. And she actually found that through that experience and she did her physical therapy and she started moving again. So it's something that's very, very important to keep moving. But alcohol. hmm. Okay, so um, I I am not a big drinker. I like to have a glass of wine occasionally. Um, I try and tell every with every person I talk to in moderation, everything in moderation, um, alcohol to a degree will increase your risk. Um, if you go over that moderation for certain types of cancers, certain types of, uh, individuals, it, it definitely affects them a lot more than others. So if you keep it in a moderation and, and understand the benefit as to the risk of alcohol in regards to if you have a history or if your family has a history of breast cancer or any other type of cancer, you need to look at every risk factor and that is a risk factor. So you're going to have to take it upon yourself to understand which is more important. Do you want to have eight glasses of wine a night, which is ridiculous anyway, but um, you know, having one is fine, but you have to keep it in context as to your overall health and your overall program that you have for yourself. And looking down the line, especially when it concerns for myself, my family, um, I I will take all of those risk factors into consideration because I wanna be around, my daughter is pregnant right now, it's gonna have my first grandchild. I wanna be around for that grandchild. So these are things that I'm gonna do to keep my risk factors down as much as I can be, um, you know, that I can take care of. And so if, Again, it's moderation. It's moderation with anything. Yeah, moderation is definitely key. I mean, I talk about that with patients all the time when they ask me, can I eat sugar? Can I do this? Can I do that? And I say, listen, if you have eight Twinkies a day, you're going to die of a heart disease, <laughs> heart disease or, you know, or a heart attack or diabetes before breast cancer um, anyway. So definitely moderation is key. And congrats on a grandbaby. You will Thank definitely you. be able to lift that one better than I can lift my own children probably. Um <laughs> Well, you know, and just kind of going back to your mom, when you talk about her lymphedema, I think myself and my two partners, uh, Dr. Gold and Dr. Brown, we're really advocates for physical therapy, Mm -hmm. especially after any type of axillary surgery. And we try and get them to physical therapy quickly to prevent lymphedema and and increase that range of motion. And unfortunately, back in the day, there was not as much known about that. And uh, people did get long-term sequelae from that. And we're pretty aggressive on making sure that we get them to physical therapy quickly. So I'm glad your mom was able to get better after surgery but right she did have she did have um issues with lymphedema though she had the swelling in her legs and you know in her arm her left arm especially and that was one of the reasons for the the frozen shoulder she did she it just got so heavy that she didn't want to lift it and uh, it just kind of snowballed from there so and we would go with her and I would sit there and hold her arm and make her do things but you know, people will do what they want to do. So, but it is very important as far as that goes, because especially with um, the issues that can come with lymphedema, um, that can be one of, in my mind, something that is 
not necessarily can be totally um, removed, but can definitely be helped. For sure. Well, you have just shared some amazing information tonight. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners regarding either diet or exercise or any personal experience? Basically, for me and the listeners, what I would say is that whether there's a history in your family or not, you know, it's always good to have your annual, you know, screenings and checkups. It's always it's always a good thing, whether we're talking about cancer or heart disease or, or anything, is, is just to maintain a healthy weight, get out there and be active, especially now. It's more important than ever to be active and watching your diet and, and just make sure that you look at the risk factors of anything in your life and just make it a good life. You know, be healthy, be happy, um, and especially in this day and age, and just enjoy life. And uh, just understand that even if something like this were to happen, that it's not the end of the world, that if you look at it with a positive mental attitude, you know, anything can happen as far as uh, getting over it, getting through it and, and continue to live. Well, I think you have been in the office with me because you say a lot of what I often say. And, you know, I think the moral of this podcast is make it a good life. You know, um, like you said, you only get one life to live and you got to make it a good one. So. Exactly. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for sharing your personal story, as well as your words of advice and encouragement about exercise and eating and diet. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Breast of Everything podcast. I am Dr. Ashley Richardson with Comprehensive Breast Care. And as always, we want to hear from you. If you have a topic that you'd like to talk to us about, please, we welcome your suggestions. You can always send them to comprestcare.com. That's C-O-M-P-B-R-E-A-S-T-C-A-R-E.com. Thank you. You've been listening to the Breast of Everything podcast with your host and board-certified breast surgeon, Dr. Ashley Richardson of Comprehensive Breast Care. If you have a subject you would like the surgeons to discuss, please email your suggestions online at compbreastcare.com. That's C-O-M-P-B-R-E-A-S-T-C-A-R-E.com. The doctors want to hear from you. The views, thoughts, and opinions shared in this podcast are intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be substituted for medical advice, treatment, or care from your physician or healthcare provider. Always consult your healthcare provider first.